after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Moving the Goalposts. I'm here with Liam. Liam, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I did pretty well on the Super Bowl bet, so I'm feeling uh, feeling good. I did too, actually, which is uh, something that I'm not used to saying coming on the show. Usually it's something more along the lines of, I wasn't so good. <laughs> uh, all right, so you can follow us on, you can follow the empty, the bench. Well, first of all, I want to get into all the social media stuff. You could follow me on Twitter at Nick DMart, Liam at Liam MTGP. Um, you could follow the show on Instagram uh, at uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at MTGPETV. And you can follow the Empty the Bench Network on all social media uh, on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok uh, at ETB Network. You can. You can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts uh, at spot on Spotify, Apple, wherever. Uh, and you can follow Empty the Bench podcast at etbpodcast.com. Okay. Make sure to like and subscribe and all that. And we there's a new show that comes out every Friday at 8 o'clock. So I want to get into everything. Uh, obviously, um, we have to talk a, uh, a little bit about the Super Bowl, just a little bit. Um, so I think that just an observation, which, you know, do with that what you will. It's not a useful observation, but an observation nonetheless. That This game may have gone from, like, one of the worst Super Bowls we've ever seen to one of the best we've ever seen. It was, like, in, for three quarters, one of the worst we've ever seen. And then in the fourth quarter, it turned into like one of the best we've ever seen because it was largely not the best played game from either side for a pretty long time. Um, I also think that it, I also think that um, there were a few moments that really uh, probably affected the game a lot. One of them was Dre Greenlaw tearing his Achilles. Mm-hmm. I think it was his Achilles when he stepped on the field. Uh, he was guarding Travis. He was guarding, tra- covering Travis Kelsey, right? Um, which obviously affects a lot. Uh, Travis Travis Kelsey is very hard to cover. Uh, I mean, he's too big for he's too fast for a linebacker and too big for a safety. So it's players like Travis Kelsey are often very difficult to cover. Um, and the Chiefs didn't look great in the first half. Um, Mahomes didn't look good. Kelsey didn't do Kelsey had one reception for one yard. He didn't, he might as well have not showed up, uh, the first half of the game and the second half, they completely turned on a dime 
92 of his 93 receiving yards for Travis Kelsey were in the second half. Uh, that, that says a lot about probably about coaching, maybe even about Dre Greenlaw and the Chiefs being able to make adjustments. And I think that the Chiefs are one of those teams, besides being one of the most talented teams with one of the best quarterbacks, they're able to win when it's close, which I think is in and of itself kind of an underrated skill that a team can have. Um, the other thing was the drop uh, by the Niners on on that punt. That may have that may have actually like done it too. Um, I don't know. What were your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, there was a few others. First of all, I mean, yeah, the fumble was big um, for the 49ers, but because just because Kansas City was um, looking sort of all over the place at that point, like they didn't know what was going on. They just used a timeout early in the half. Um, It was a big play, but at the same time, the the Chiefs also fumbled on first and goal in the the second quarter. And so they, they also did have a bad fumble in the game. Um, that cost them a lot of points. Um, also, the, the blocked extra point was gigantic. Um, about that, yeah. They only had to get three instead of four, so you only needed a field goal instead of a touchdown. Um, I agree. I, I, I agree. It was hard. I didn't think it was you know an all time classic. I did go to overtime, but like you said, it was it was bad for three and a half for three quarters. I mean, it was it was a punt fest for three quarters. But the decisions that made a difference were the fumble made a difference. The blocked extra point made a difference, and uh, accepting the ball first in overtime uh, also made the biggest difference because they gave Patrick Mahomes four downs. Um, it doesn't doesn't really make any sense. You kind of have to look at overtime in the playoffs as college overtime. So in college overtime, you would never want the ball first; you would always want the ball second. Uh, you kind of have to look at it the same the same way. And the 49ers didn't, but at the end of the day, as well. Mahomes made the play to put this team in the end zone uh, in overtime, and Purdy couldn't make the play on third and four from the 15 to um, to put his team into the end zone. And that was ultimately the one big difference in the game. I, I think that – I mean, the thing is, is that I think that I, – I, I didn't – here's the thing. Both teams, the Niners played the way I kind of expected them to. They didn't play any better or worse than they have throughout the entire regular season. In fact, if anything, I would say they probably played better because some of their other uh, wins were against team. I mean, their wins against the Packers and Lions, I feel like those wins were less impressive than this loss, if you ask me. I mean, like, they barely beat the Packers. uh, They needed a really bad choke job from the Lions. Uh, They were down two scores late in the third quarter. They easily could have lost that game. I mean, the Niners have been a very flawed playoff team, which were – which people sort of forgot about because I mean, by the way, these were home games and uh, they, which people seem to forget about because uh, they ended up winning those games, but they, they haven't looked that great. I mean, Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. I would say he's more than a game manager as some people might say, but he's still Brock Purdy. He's not Patrick Mahomes. I I still feel sort of floored that the Niners were actually favored in this game. Uh, it, I mean, I don't know. It just didn't it, – it was just sort of weird that the Niners were favored. But, yeah, if anything, I think for most of the game, the Chiefs – I guess it goes to show like, – like you would say, it goes to show how good the Chiefs are because they didn't really play a great game, and mm-hmm. they, they were still able to win. But, yes, I, I do think that was huge that 
that um that blocked extra point. It would have changed the whole trajectory of the game, certainly at least in that last uh in that last drive uh when because then the Chiefs wouldn't have just kicked the field goal. They would have had to go for a touchdown. Now there's a good chance they would have gotten the touchdown anyway. Um it, it's not it, it, there's a good chance they would have just there's a good chance it would have just changed. They would have just won without going overtime. That could have happened too, but it puts a lot more pressure on them. And that would have been the game right there. Um, so that, that obviously is another, uh, an, another big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we both had them. We both had the chief's money line. Yeah. Um, it, I, I, I just felt like, uh, you know, you know, for all the reasons I've mentioned, uh, better coach, better quarterback, better defense, all that. I just felt confident enough, and they were getting the points. It's not like we were giving anything. Um, what did you think of, of this whole? Like everybody's talking about the Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey blow up on the sideline. I think this seems like an overreaction of a generation, if you ask me. Well, it is an overreaction because if you listen to him on his podcast yesterday, he said that he was he was yelling and then Andy Reid went over and was like, oh, you can't do that just because there's cameras on me. And he said like he was not – he had no anger toward Andy Reid. He was just in the moment. And he would have even let Andy Reid punch him uh, in the face in that moment. So it, I think it was just, you know, emotional in the moment. I, I, I don't really make anything of it. And I didn't make anything of it at the time. Um Kelsey didn't really, he took a long time to sort of start up. Um, but um, his counterpart on the 49ers, Kittle, never started up. So uh, at least um, Kelsey did come through in the end. But uh, I didn't make much of it at the time. And they, listen, they, 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 they know how to win. It's not like a team that's there for the first time and things were going on and that would have derailed them. They've been there. They know how to do it. I, 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 never, I never thought that was a big deal at the time. Well, I, I think the thing with the Super Bowl is that it's not so much just a sports event. It's also very much a cultural event. And I think a lot of the reaction was from people who aren't familiar with football beyond the Super Bowl. So they think a blow up like that is completely out of line. And I mean, I don't know. It's a much bigger deal than it really is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, I mean Boomer Esiason and um, Phil Sims were also not like – we're also on that same train against it during the halftime show. But um, yeah, I, I agree that it was, it was made to be a bigger deal mainly because it was the Super Bowl because it was shown on TV. Like if it was during a regular season game, it probably wouldn't have been, you know, you, right. you probably wouldn't have even known it happened probably. I mean, you wouldn't know it happened, but uh, so yeah, I, I don't, um, I don't think uh, that it was that much of a deal to make, especially considering they won the game. If they had lost the game, it would have been the top story on every sports channel. Yeah. It would have been one of the most talked about things, but winning cures all. So it, it, it's, it's, it wasn't that big. Deal. And it wasn't a big deal from us from the start. I think, I think he was just, he was upset about that play or whatever. Yeah. Which to be fair, I do kind of understand why. I agree. I understand why. Like, I don't know. It, it I mean, one thing that this is doing, I mean, this just feels like a dynasty era for the Chiefs. Like, it almost feels like they, they do sort of feel like the Patriots dynasty with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, except better. Like, yeah. they've already won uh, three in five years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have to see because 
I, even though I, I'm not on the, I don't think that Brady is the greatest and Mahomes is certainly much more talented. Um, uh, but uh, he, Mahomes would still also have to double his total and then win two more past that to get to Brady, to get more than Brady. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, remember the, the thing about the Patriots difference about the Patriots dynasty is remember it fell off for a little bit. It fell you know, off for like 10 years. Right. And then they came back and did it again. Right. Um, and so, so we'll see what happens past that, but they've done amazing. I mean, think about they, they lost their best player on offense and won back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah. Having lost their best player on offense. Well, it, it just goes to show you the value of receivers, if anything. Yeah, but I mean, it just well, it's 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 more helpful when you have Mahomes as a quarterback. But right. yeah, I agree. And also, you know, let let's flip. We we talked about the four uh, the, the Chiefs, so let's talk about the Forty Nine ers. I think that you have to I have to say that um, Kyle Shanahan has a big problem in the big moments. I mean, twenty eight to three. Offensive coordinator twenty eight to three against Patriots. If he had ran the ball there, uh, the Falcons would have won. They would have said they would have kicked a field goal. Um, he had a ten point lead with six minutes left in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs in twenty twenty as the head coach. Two years later, he had a ten point lead going into the fourth quarter against the Rams in the NFC Championship game. Um, he put together a really bad blocking scheme against the Eagles that for, that knocked his quarterback out of the game in the NFC championship. And then last year, and now this one, um, he has a lead in the fourth quarter. He has a lead in overtime. He makes a really bad decision. He maybe he didn't know the rules, which is insanity, but he makes a really bad decision in having his players uh, receive the kickoff. Um, you have to say that he is right now will go down. In my opinion, uh, if you were to uh, be on Twitter and say, describe it in NBA terms, in my opinion, you would have to put Kyle Shanahan in the Doc Rivers category, that he is just a choker. Um, I don't know if I would put him in the Doc Rivers category as much. Um, I guess in some ways he's like a Doc Rivers, except I think that Kyle Shanahan at least has run a lot of good offenses and has at least sort of proved himself in some way, whereas Doc Rivers, like I don't know. I think that NBA coaches are have a little bit less of an impact, especially now, compared to, say, football coaches. Like, like the thing is, Shanahan has made every quarterback in his system look at least kind of good. So I think that Shanahan is a little bit better than, say, a Doc Rivers. But I do understand I, I I don't entirely disagree. I, I don't entirely disagree. That no, but, but 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 he made them look good. But it doesn't really matter because the only thing that matters is the postseason and the Super Bowl, right? That's all well, that matters. Well, yeah, but, but it does matter because I mean, how many? It, well, that context I I still think is at least relevant. I mean, if if Todd Bowles was the head coach of the Forty ers I don't think they. There's a good chance they don't even make the playoffs. So I, I think that there is some of. I do think all of that is relevant, and I do think it's better to make it to the playoffs and the Super Bowl and lose and from making bad decisions than it is to not make it at all. Um, also, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really disagree with you on that. Um, apparently, people were—is it true that he didn't know the rules? Because I know some of the players didn't know the rules. I don't know if he didn't know the rules, but if if, if he did, if he didn't, it's either way. If he didn't know the rules, it's a bad 
it's horrible they didn't know the rules. And if he didn't know the rules, then why did he get a kick to him? But you, I mean, again, like the the uh, again, like the the point is, like he just he doesn't have it in the in those big moments. Yeah, but but I mean, I don't disagree. So yeah, Kyle Shanahan said when you say big games, when you we had to win a bunch of big games to get to get to the Super Bowl. To say the Niners can't win a big game would be an extremely inaccurate statement. I think he's right. Well, um, it's not even that they can't win a big game. Just so forget about big game. It's big moments because he right, okay right. He, he had put up 23, 28 points against the Patriots in three quarters um, in the Super Bowl and then couldn't put up anything else. All he needed to put up was three. Uh, the, again, like it's he had a ten point lead, so he coached the game well for uh, for for, for fifty four minutes of the Super Bowl in 2020, but it's a 60-minute game. Again, like, it's it's the moments he had, he had 45 good minutes of, of coaching against the Rams in the NFC Championship game, but it's a 60-minute game. So it, it's it's it, the big moments, those moments. Right, right. And it's, you know, you, you, you don't – some guys don't have the stomach for those big moments. Yeah. No, I, I, don't, I, I don't disagree at all. And, the, and you know who does is Andy Reid. Andy well, Reid, Andy the you're saying he has the stomach for the big moments. Yeah, but the, but the, but the narrative on Andy Reid for 20 years was that he couldn't win the big game. I know, I know, and I think that narrative has come. I, I believe me, I remember all of it, but the narrative has completely changed. And I think Andy Reid for a long time was a very underrated head coach. Now that he actually has a star quarterback and a lot of talent around him, he can actually win big games. But but the thing with Andy Reid is that for years, he was able to like bring teams to big games that otherwise had no business being there. Like, which is, which is, which is also something that needs to be taken into account. I mean, it's easy to pray. Like everybody praised Bill Belichick in that time. Like the thing is for how many years would you have been looked at as crazy? If you had said Andy Reid is a better head coach than Bill Belichick. Like, like, like that just seems so out there not too long, like less than a decade ago. And now it actually makes a certain amount of sense to say you would rather have Andy Reid as your head coach than Bill Belichick. Like, like that just goes to show you how narratives about players and coaches are often just so off. And the only reason we know we feel okay saying it is because he had Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. Like if not, which is why he was able to build a dynasty. Nobody can build the dynasty without star players. Like you never really know how good a head coach is until he has the tools to actually be to actually win. Well, but also you could. I think that the, that the losses that he had in big games previously also helped him because you have to learn how to lose before you can start to win. So all those experiences help yeah. you. You know, like you know, hopefully it'll help Shanahan. I mean, no, you know, Shanahan's done a, a job. You have to think he started there. Seven years ago, they've been to to five NFC Championship games, two Super Bowls. Um, so he's done obviously an outstanding job with the team. But you know, when it gets down to those to those big moments, you know, uh, guys don't have it. I mean, um, you know, it, you, you think about like uh, uh, if you if you want to make like comparisons to other sports, Paul George is one of those guys, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, Aaron Judge is one of those guys. Um, who just they they're really good and they get themselves to the moment, but then in the moment they can't uh, 
they can't finish it off. James Harden's one of those guys. James Harden's one of those guys. So, um, yeah. I mean, the difference is that he's a head coach and not a player. Right. But yes, but it's, but like you said, coaching is almost as big as playing in the NFL. I mean, yeah, it's both. I mean, but, but you also have to consider the fact that like he's done it with Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy as his quarterbacks. Right. But, right. But they, but like you said, like he, he made the quarterbacks better. That's what I'm saying. He's done it with quarterbacks that like, if they were on most other teams would likely not even be in the playoffs. So he created really good situations for quarterbacks that were maybe mediocre. I mean, yeah. I mean, but again, like, I just think that at, down to that moment, like if you want to look at the opposite, like, like uh, Tom Coughlin, I feel like would be the opposite. Tom Coughlin was not the greatest coach in the season, especially, but when the giants got into big moments, they had to win four games to win the Super Bowl both times. He was, he was a better coach than he, he was able to get the giants through those moments right. and coach the team really well, where, you know, some guys don't get through those big moments. I mean, so I, th- I think a lot yeah. of it comes with experience. I mean, you notice right. all these coaches that are good in big moments, they're all old. Right. Right. Like Andy Reid had been a coach for 20 years. Bill Belichick had been coaching for a long time before he got to the Patriot job. Um, and Kyle Shanahan is younger. He's only been coaching for six, some, you know, seven years of, of being a head coach. Um, and most coaches that are in fairness, though, the sample size is a lot bigger than most coaches at this time of their coaching career. At this time of their head coaching career, most uh, coaches have not been to two Super Bowls. Most coaches have not been to five NFC championship games. So he has a bigger sample size of going to the big game than most coaches at this point. Of their well, my, my question to you is which, co- which coach would you rather have, the Tom Coughlin or the Kyle Shanahan? I, I would say probably the Kyle Shanahan, but it depends on who my quarterback is and the team I have around. Awesome, probably because I'd rather win two Super Bowls and never make the playoffs than make it there every year, and never make the playoffs in the in the in the other years than make it every year and never get never get that Super Bowl. I agree, but it depends on who your quarterback is and the team you have around you. Like like okay, if I have a star quarterback or even a, somebody on Eli's level or something like that, I would rather have Coughlin. But if I have um, like a, a young quarterback w- who is sort of right. a system player, right. and I don't know, and he's sort of you know a, maybe a little bit above average or whatever. I'd rather have Shanahan right. because but if, you're, if you're talking about if, if but anyone would take Coughlin if you're talking about one game, you have to win one game. Give okay. me the coach for one game, right? Right, but you still have so, to win a whole bunch of right. games to get to that one game, right? It, it, you don't just land on that game. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of, uh, interesting, I guess. I mean, it's, it's, a. I mean, it, well, the chiefs basically they're dynasty level and they're also starting to get, and with dynasty comes being hated and they're starting to be hated a little bit. Um, like the Patriots were, although the Patriots were hated for reasons that made a lot more sense. The Patriots were hated because their Bill Belichick is kind of a jerk and rubs people the wrong way. I don't think he's such a bad guy, but he's a football coach and care. He, he, I don't know. He's just a big football guy and football is you're his life. Coming at it from the, you're also coming at it from the angle of a Jet fan, though, too. So Right, you, but you I'm just it. talking about it objectively. Like, I hate the Patriots because I'm a Jet fan mostly. Mostly right. because I'm a Jet fan and I think they're a bunch of jerks. And, I'm, and I've am and i basically been trained 
like my mind has been trained to hate the Patriots. Um, and I think people hated them. Like every, every, every dynasty is hated. It's just the fact that every dynasty is hated um, in sports. The LeBron is often hated for, mm. and, and, and by the way, dynasties are hated for reasons that like they win too much. It's like everybody wants to win. There's no such thing as winning too much. I mean, I, I feel like hating teams because they win too much is just right, sort of silly in a sense. Right. Um, but the Patriots, they've had a lot of scandals at least. The Chiefs, it seems like they're starting to be hated largely because of Taylor Swift. Yeah. I, I think I think that's like another big part of it. Like, like we've seen like so many weird narratives about how the games are like. We, we, we saw a tweet from Will Compton that said the game is fixed. That was but not like, a real one. The first one, three yeah. quarters were unwatchable almost. It was in the running for one of the worst Super Bowls we've ever seen for the first three quarters. So, um, one, yeah. Travis Kelsey had one catch for one yard for one whole half. How can you – like if it's fixed, they're doing a really bad job. So, so let's talk about her for one second. So – this is from Front Office Sports that said women proved to be a dominant part of Super Bowl 58's record ratings fueled heavily by the Taylor Swift effect. Females aged 18 to 24 were up 24% on their year-over-year statistics. Uh, females aged 12 to 17 were up 11%. Overall female viewership was up 9%. And women comprised 47.5% of the game's total off audience which is the most ever. Well, what was it last year? What at 9% less than what it was this year. I don't know the exact number. It's percentage wise. It was up 9%. So, so last, last, so you could say, I don't know, 9% of what it, what, whatever it was last year. Okay. So it's just a lot, which is a lot. So basically Taylor Swift helps viewership a lot. Females 18 to 24. That's a gigantic number because uh, ratings don't matter as much as uh, viewers 18 to um, to 49 matter because that's that's who that's who um, that's who advertisers target most. They they buy the most. So the 18 to 24 number being up 24 percent is a big number for the NFL. So I, you know I, I think that a lot of people who who are who are upset about it is is not you know um, living in reality. He's not living in reality and just doesn't understand it. Also, this is not like again like. This is not – I understand that now the second that the, the touchdown went over the line, they showed her. And I understand that people are upset that, oh, they don't show other fans as much. This is this is the biggest artist on planet Earth right now that's going to every game. Like this, it, this is not, you know, when they had like Bradley Cooper in the stands at the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, he's a celebrity, but he's not what Taylor Swift is. Right. I mean she's a gigantic like trend-setting artist. Yeah. You know, she's going to be like a, a talked about artist forever. You know, she's going to be one of those artists. Like it's a big deal that, that she's there that is helpful to them to get female audience and it's helpful for it to grow the sport. Yeah. Um, you have to think about the future of the sport as well. Well, the thing is, is that like, I think a lot of football fans are only looking at it from a football fans perspective, which is like, I want, which is like wanting their own little space away from pop culture or whatever. Um, but you also have to view it. You you have you also have to look at it from the NFL's perspective, which is that they're trying to market the sport more, and like their job is to make 
the sport uh, is to like broaden their audience base. That's why they're going to. That's why they're going to Brazil and England and Germany. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they go to that. That's why the leagues, especially the NFL, go overseas to games where to play games where like the population are not the population is or don't follow football the way we do. Correct. That's obviously, I mean, there must be some benefit to it. Otherwise they wouldn't keep doing it. And it's not, and it must benefit the NFL to go to London and Brazil and all of these in Europe and everywhere, because they've been doing this for years and it must be working on some level because they're still doing it. If it, if it didn't work, they would stop. Um, the NFL are not. The NFL cares about money. If it's going to cost them money, yeah, the NFL is going to Spain in 2025. The, uh, I mean, I don't think they'll ever be a game. I don't think they'll ever be like a team overseas or anything like that. But it, it must be helping their sport on some level. Um, and I, I mean, I, I mean, they're they're also having. I don't know. It's just sort of changing a little bit. They also have games on like Nickelodeon, or as Mad Dog would say, Nickelodeon. Yes, which is a good idea. <laughs> uh, it, you know, all all that all that stuff. And and all I'm saying is that if you are a football fan, you just have to understand it from that perspective and not right. just look at it from a football fan standpoint. And proof of this, by the way, is the Super Bowl. The whole thing is like that except a million times worse than the NFL was with Taylor Swift. My only, my main criticism of the whole Taylor Swift thing was that the NFL was kind of simping for her to such an over the top extent. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, some of it was just so ridiculous, but I will say the Super Bowl is like that in a million times worse. Like how often do we, how many people watch the Super Bowl because of the halftime show? Right. The halftime show in the Super Bowl is made to be a bigger deal than the halftime show in any other event in any sport. Correct. Because a whole large percentage of the country doesn't care about the game, but cares about the halftime show. Like, so the Super Bowl has become like this sort of cultural event. And I understand if you're a diehard football fan, why you wouldn't like that on some level. Um, I, I get the whole Taylor Swift overload thing. It is an overload of Taylor Swift, but they, they, they do it for, a reason that makes sense. They're not doing it because they're just a bunch of Taylor Swift simps. They're doing it because they care about their viewership. And, and you can't say it's irrelevant that she's at the game. I mean, no, it's very much relevant. Uh, If it wasn't relevant, they wouldn't keep showing her. Correct. Uh, I also just wanted to get this in real quick. The New York state gaming commission put out their numbers for the super bowl. So in New York state, there was a $162 million handle um, including futures, uh, the operator revenue. So they made $12 million in New York, which is 6 million after tax. Um, MGM lost 5 million on the Super Bowl in New York. Really? Caesars lost about a million. Uh, but the reason that it was up was DraftKings got close to 9 million they made, and FanDuel made close to 4 million. Wow. So up 12. On the the total, but uh, a good a good week for uh, DraftKings. Yeah. By the way, I do want to talk about a little bit how Mad Dog was talking about how he watches the Super Bowl alone. Honestly, mm-hmm. I get it. People are talking about like, oh, you know, you're a loser if you watch the game alone. I think that if you watch, I do agree that if you watch something that is really meant to be watched with other people, 
like the ball drop or something like that. If you watch that alone, that's a little weird. You go to the movies alone, that's a little weird. I think watching a sporting event alone, especially if it's your team, actually makes a lot of sense because you get rid of all the noise. Or with one or two other people who really care about the games. And I don't know. I feel like the Super Bowl is always an expense. It's always a uh, uh, event where I think that you should watch it with people. And, and it's it's made to be watched sort of in a big party atmosphere. I mean, the game is not like always the central focus. Now, I, I think it is different because you have to realize that Mad, Mad Dog also has to talk about this for his job. So he has to be very right. more keyed into the game. Um, and I do agree it is different if it's your team. Um, it, it's kind of like I, I love watching the Manning cast, but I would never watch the Manning cast if the Giants were on. Right. Because if there's a game that I don't care about, I can listen to other people. Well, the thing talk. is, I watch most games alone anyway. Right. Most people do. I mean, I, I mean, maybe one other person might be there. I mean, most games, if you think about it, every sports fan, if you think about it, most games we watch alone. Just not yeah. the really, really big ones. In fact, the Super Bowl might be the only one that we don't watch alone. Correct. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I sort of, I, I sort of get it uh, to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a- anything else to add? Uh, all right. So yeah, that's we spent a long time talking about the Super yeah. Bowl. Um, I, to me, this is just a really sad time because we don't have football again for another six months. More than that, that's two thirds of a pregnancy. Um, yes. So, okay. So, we got some NBA stuff. LeBron is went back to posting a bunch of cryptic messages on social media, which is a weird new trend from athletes. Oh, you know what's another weird trend just to get back to the Super Bowl thing? Uh at the uh the the weirdest thing from champions is when they always have like the winners always seem to like talk about how everybody doubted them. Like that's what Mahomes was saying. It's like mm-hmm. you're you're a dynasty. What, what you 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 won last year, and they were likely one of the favorite. They might have been. They were one of the top favorites to win going into the year. Like, well, why are we pretending everybody was doubting you? Like, what are you talking about? Right. All right. So I do want to. So, Le- so LeBron posted another cryptic message on social media and apparently him going – and there's been rumors about him going to the Warriors. And the truth is, what would the Warriors even have given the Lakers that would get them to give up LeBron? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, like, like this, this just seems so unrealistic. Well, I know a lot of people asked um, – I know a lot of people asked uh, uh, would um, – was LeBron available? I know that the um, the 76ers asked as well, and the Lakers responded saying, well, is Joel Embiid available? Um, so that was a quick conversation. But it seems that the most, the most notable one was the Warriors. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of talk recently about how Steph and LeBron have wanted to play together. Um, and, of course, that would mean um, LeBron going to the Warriors. But it looked like in the end – that it really wasn't realistically going to happen. I mean, you have to think about LeBron right now is in the city that he wants to be in. Um, he's his son plays right down the street. Um, he has a house in LA, all that stuff. I don't think that he's too um, fond to leave, but uh, this would have been an interesting trade, especially because the Warriors are, and, and, and um, 
Lakers right now are, are set to play each other in a playing game. So both of them are in the bottom end of the play-in in the standings. Um, the Warriors are not in a, in a place where you think they would be buyers. Um, but I could certainly maybe understand the Lakers if they're going to say, well, LeBron's out of contract next year, so we're going to get rid of him. I could understand that. But from the Warriors' perspective, I don't understand it much because the one Warriors issue is that, yes, they had a good they had a good dynasty run, and some of the um, pitfalls of having a dynasty, which didn't happen with the Patriots, but is that you want to reward, which is why the Patriots had two dynasties. You want to reward the players of the dynasty, so you give them contracts that you probably shouldn't. And the Warriors have gotten old and are falling off. So why? Um, why uh, could why then would you trade picks um, for LeBron? Because you would kind of I know LeBron is in the best is the best person is is one of the best players in the NBA, but is he the best person to bring on? It it would, it would essentially be a we have to win the title this year uh, trade, right? Um, well, because his contract is up next year, and because he's old, <laughs> and because he's older. Although I think he's old. He is old. He's he is old, although he's not playing like he's old. Right, but I'm saying though that's why it would have to be a, we win it this year. Right, right. I see what you're saying. No, no, you're right. It, to an extent, it doesn't make sense on both sides, but especially doesn't make sense on the Lakers side because I don't know what they would have given him other than Clay Thompson, maybe. And Clay Thompson is totally washed. He's declined yeah. a lot. Yeah, well, he he. he uh, I I mean, he, I don't know if he's washed up in that, or or if it's just that he was just never the uh, same player post that injury. Right. Um, Either so way, I, that did have a lot to do with it. But you, you, I mean, you have to think like the the Warriors. I mean, like like guys like Clay and uh, Steph and stuff. I mean, they've earned like the year they're having because they've just been one of the best teams in the NBA for years and. Uh, and years. So they, you know, they're still all time great players, but when you reward, you know, all time, uh, great players with contracts late in the contract, it's going to look worse, which is where we are now. Right. Right. So I just, I just didn't understand it. I mean, remember they fired their GM last year as well, uh, the Warriors. Um, and so I, I, I don't really understand this move just in terms of, you're having a problem where you have, I know that the players are good. Like Steph is still good, but he's older. Um, and so where you could have like, like all these guys um, that they've paid money to because they were part of the dynasty, but now they're getting older. Like, I feel like you would be sort of in the same boat with LeBron and especially the, the West is such a, it's going to be so hard to get through no matter who gets there. It's going to sure, be a total gauntlet. gauntlet. And if you have to, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be in a in a uh, in a worse position if you start in the play-in too, because you'll have to play a game or two extra, and then play one of the top teams. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah. All that is, yeah. It, it's it's much harder. It, it, it's much harder in the West. Um, but I don't know. I, I I can see LeBron maybe going back to the East. Well, I think he's going to uh, attempt to to play with his son next year. Yeah, I think he's going to want to. And it's going to be a big deal. I mean, you have to think he'll probably be – in that case, like he'll probably be overdrafted. I don't even think he, he would be drafted at all if he was uh, if he was not LeBron's son. 
Yeah. In fact, he wouldn't be drafted at all if he was not LeBron's son. Um, but uh, uh, um, they they uh, they are in a position where are they going to draft LeBron's son or are they going to let him go? And then if they let him go, you would think that LeBron's son would be drafted higher up, right? So it would probably mean that he would go to a contender in the end. Right. Because you, you, he'll probably be taken later in the draft. Right. He's not like a number one pick or anything like that. Um, Yeah. So all that is sort of interesting. It's kind of weird that the – yeah, it's it just weird that these two d- – that the Lakers and Warriors are at best seem to be playing teams this year, sort of a peculiar year. Um, okay. So I, I want to get into the waste management open a little bit. Um, sounds like, uh, sounds like a, a tournament organized by the mafia. Um, so, so uh, basically the waste management tournament is a tournament, which is golf, but all the rules are unlike golf. So you can yell at players and, Act, like, act crazy and stuff like that. So we do have a video of it. We have the we have the video of the waste management open. All right, we got it right here. So this we had to turn the sound off. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like a bunch of Buffalo Bills fans. <laughs> Nice yeah, so, yeah, so it's it's it it is a yeah. Uh, oh, oh, some more. Yeah, so it is a um, it is a chaotic event like this every year. There we go. Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Coors Lights. Um, <laughs> it is a yeah. Uh, it, it, <laughs> it is an event like this every year. This is this is great. It's an event like this every year. Um. I've been to it twice. It's not um it's it's like that every year. It's known like around the um it's known around the area like, you know, an event where everybody goes to get drunk. By um, the area you mean Arizona. In Phoenix, yeah. Right. And like, you know, everyone will talk, you know, people everyone's gone. Like if you if you went to Arizona State, everyone you knew went to one of the days. It's a four day event, always the week of the Super Bowl. And so yeah, it, it mixes in some some elements there's the 16th hole where you're encouraged to make noise which is the opposite in golf um because professional athletes can't hear noise apparently much like in tennis um <laughs> and they um they uh are uh very encouraged to do other stuff like John Rom wore his uh Pat Tillman jersey on the 16th hole one year um things like that it's very but it's very drinking centric and everybody gets really drunk uh, what happened in this case was there was a lot of people getting drunk, but also uh, the the people that were checking tickets were not doing a very good job. And they said they had half a million people on the course on Saturday, um, which to, to get to the 16th hole, even you have to line up at like three o'clock in the morning and they open the doors at like 5 a.m. And then you you everybody runs in. Um, so half a million people at that time. Yeah, because they how many people tickets. do they how many people do they sell tickets to? Um, I would say a hundred thousand for a day, probably. So that's like five times. Yeah, but nobody was checking tickets. Um, so it sounds like the it sounds like the workers were in were also uh, partying too much. 
Yeah, well, or they just weren't caring. I mean, it was is insane. But it's it's it is a, like one of the biggest events. I remember um, not to uh, not to give away when we're um, when we're filming, but uh, Caitlin Clark just broke the scoring record for the women's basketball. Um, not to um, not to be like outdone with what's happened, but there was one year. Uh, where there were kids that I knew at ASU, they they were under 21 and they'd gone on this party boat, uh, party bus to get there. And I guess they had like fake IDs or something. And I don't know how they found out, but when the party bus landed at Waste Management Open, the doors opened and there were all these cops on bikes just there to just there and arrested them. Really? Yeah. That's well, well, you would think that the security would be a little bit like the thing is, is that like, I, I think this almost seems a little bit like a golf problem uniquely because they don't normally do that. And, and they were giving away the, the drinks really cheap, right? Some drinks are. You you can get like packages. Like a lot of people get like open bar packages. If you were just to buy but the you drinks. you must pay a lot of money for an open bar package. Yeah, I don't know what they were back in the day. But um, back in the day, they were less. I don't know what they are now. I, I, I went in like 2017, 2018. But um, they're like – the, the prices would be standard, but then also, like, you have to remember, like, the people are getting so drunk beforehand as well. So then right. when you get drunk, like, if you get drunk, like, the price doesn't really matter to you as much in the time. Well, like, first of all, if you, right. It, no, that that's absolutely true. Uh, no, that's definitely true because, it, like, because you're drunk. Nothing matters to you in that moment. I mean, I think that if you have an open bar package – if you if you have a ticket for which probably costs a lot of money, I assume even even here, um, I think it would be crazy if you drank beforehand because right. that's just wasting money. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I would also be upset. Like I, I don't know how pissed off I would be if I went to the event. Not even if I had the open bar package, but if you went to the waste management open, which is you know everybody that goes there goes to drink. Nobody, it's like it's nicknamed the wasted management open at ASU. Like. Nobody is there to watch golf at all. Um, right. If you're, if you're, it might, maybe more now. When I when I went, like you couldn't gamble on it, so maybe like more people are gambling on it now. But either way, if you went to the event, which is known to be like a drink event, and they shut down alcohol, I'd be so pissed off. Right, right. But but also, you'd think they would have better security. Like you would think that, unlike most golf events, there would be really tight security. Like you can't get on. Like, like the thing is, people are drunk at like. All at sport at, at football, basketball, and baseball games all the time, and right. these types of things don't happen. Um, obviously, the sole purpose is not to drink. I'm sure a disproportionate uh, number of people at the, at this were drunk compared to say at normal sporting events. But the point is, those places could handle it. Like everybody, they could handle something like this because they have good security. And if you and if you, you know, try to run onto the court or something or act up in some way, they would throw you out. Just like in right. – con- okay, I, I, okay, actually, a better example would be concerts. A better right. example would be concerts because at concerts, people are probably uh, just as drunk as they are at the Waste Management Open. Mm-hmm. It, it, like I'm sure almost everybody at concerts is, inebri- is inebriated in some way, just like in the at the Waste Management Open. And this is not a problem at concerts because if you – uh, because because if you do stupid shit like this at concerts, security will throw you out. So obviously right. they were trying to give away drink. Obviously they, they they're not managed very well. They're more like the waste mismanagement. 
Well, but it's uh, also different because like at, at, at an event, normally you have a seat and stuff like this, where at a golf course, you can just walk around. Well, the like, same thing is true of concerts. Uh, not in the same you can way. You have general admission at a concert. And it's a lot bigger of an area as well. But it's, yeah, it's, I, it's a bigger area. But the point is, is that they know what they're doing and you can't like run onto the, you can't like rush the stage without being kicked out. Right. Like, like this would n- never happen in a concert type of atmosphere because they know what they're doing. I mean, it seems like from what I'm seeing that you could just as easily run onto the course at the Waste Management Open as, say, the U.S. Open or the British Open. Well, yeah, you can run onto the you can you can go on if you're the only time that you can't be on the course at a golf event is if someone is on the um, hole. But then once they the hole goes, they take the ropes away and anyone can walk around. On, right. you know uh, around the course so yeah this this is this is the first time they've ever shut it down though because it does it does normally it does always pretty much get like that um they always have a lot of people i remember one year we went there was a two-hour line for uber um so it's it it does always get like that but this is different and i hope that they're not going to use this to change things about it even though it does seem like they are well i, I if anything i think Whoever was managing it should – some people need to be fired for this. Um, I don't necessarily think it will lead to well, – well, isn't that their whole – isn't that the whole point of the Waste Management Open to like, you know, it, they give away like free drinks and all that and you can yell at players and act like an idiot? Right. It's supposed to be like a, the golf's biggest party, yeah. Right. So I don't know if it's going to lead to – necessarily lead to them – not allowing anything like that. Like it, like you said, if you were saying that, you were saying that like they weren't even checking the tickets. I mean, maybe if they checked the tickets and told and made sure that people without tickets weren't getting let in, this doesn't happen. I mean, the biggest problem with this, the events like this as well is that every single person is a temporary worker. Um, where I work, we get temporary workers for certain events and they're always the worst workers. Like they're not the best for those events. And not not to generalize all of them. Some of them have been good, but most are not. And so imagine now every single worker at this event is a temporary worker because it's only a four-day event. So th- that's another issue that you have. In right, terms because of, they, they have no incentive right. to actually try. Right. Yeah, I mean, so that, something like that. But, but I mean, like, concerts is all temporary workers, too. No, not if not 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 normally. Normally, those people work at the venue. Like, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Like this is only saying. four that's days, true. right? That's true. I, I guess that's because it's not necessarily something. It's not like your bosses for that temporary job you would put on for like a reference for a future job or anything. Well, not, it, it, that that yes, that as well, and also then you're not getting like the full training as if you had a regular, you know, the job really. That's true you're, too. You're moving a lot of people in, like, so it's it's not you know, it's not like that either. That's also true. Um, yeah, it's like more like movie theater security, if anything. Right. Um, yeah, so you saw that's this. Coming, that's, that's coming from a guy who used to sneak in whole plates of sushi into uh, movie theaters. Yeah, well, it wasn't sushi. It was uh, hibachi usually. Right. I would put it under my arm. <laughs> and uh, they would not notice. And honestly, I'm not to toot my own horn, but I, I outsmarted them. Well, I, got- I was a... I was a Japanese food smuggler in those theaters. Well, didn't you get it into Madison Square Garden one time too? No, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't get through that. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. No, you can't sneak a water bottle into Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> you can't. No, the garden is. It, it is like 
it, it's it is a step below being militarized. The garden it is. They they want you don't they won't allow you to bring a water bottle when they can charge you three hundred dollars for one <laughs> when you get into the stadium. Right. Uh. So no, that did not work. I tried putting it in my pants, and they <laughs> they found you out. Yeah, they they were like, well, "You can't do that." And you know, Chinese food in the city could be is expensive, so yeah. it made huh. sense that I wanted to bring it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, but I don't know. I, I never, I've never been to the waste management open. In fact, I've never even been to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Interesting, interesting stuff. So you see this Shannon Sharp feud with Mike Epps, which apparently mm-hmm. was already squashed, but we got to talk about it a little. Yeah, they posted a picture today. But so Mike Epps was doing a stand-up comedy show the other day, and he's he was talking basically like the biggest news. We're not going to get into the whole part of this, but the biggest news was the like for weeks has been like or for months have been like the Cat Williams interview on Shannon Sharp's podcast. That was obviously a big story. Um, so now it's been talked about a lot. So Mike Epps was doing a stand-up show where he's he was saying that uh, Shannon Sharp had asked him to be on the podcast. And he said, uh, no, Medea, I'm not going to be on the podcast to sit sit across from you and have you look at my balls for an hour. Uh, so um, so Shannon Sharp have responded and was like, you're going to have to come see me. Stop lying on my name. And you're going to have to come see me face to face. And so it, it, it was turning into a big feud. And then it looked like they had met up today in Indianapolis because they're both um, – doing the celebrity all-star game. Um, and it looked like they squashed the beef, but this was a, another on the list of, of, of a bunch of um, feuds that Shannon's had since starting um, the club Shay Shay uh, podcast. Yeah. So it, weird. So they basically already squashed it after like a day. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a little bit longer than that, but he's gotten into a few, like remember he had the, he had the fight with team Morant at the Laker game. Um, yeah, there's another one that I remember he's had, he's had a bunch of ones that it's like, you're a little too old to be getting into this kind of like, yeah, he's in his fifties. He's 50. Both these guys are, they're 54 and 53. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You'd think, uh, well, Mike Epps is that old. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So another weird story in sports media uh you see this this maple leafs fight i never thought we'd be talking about hockey on this podcast especially right after the super bowl um so we have the video of that right all right sound off the game's over at that point essentially yes well you're right not over well almost so the the uh now they go into it, but uh, the guy on the Maple Leafs, uh, he is um, he is upset because of the slap shot on the empty net. So I guess I'm not again like not into hockey that much, but I guess this was like an unwritten rule, kind of like the the stupid stuff they do in baseball with unwritten rules where they throw at like, a guy. Yeah, uh, like you can't bat flip. So I guess he's upset, but the reaction is over the top to crush someone in the head while they're going across a glass like that is extremely dangerous and extremely stupid to do over over something so silly. Now, I guess that these two teams are rivals. Uh, they're both in the same province, I guess. But uh, but they're uh, 
to, to, to react like that is like crazy, I think. Yeah. Well, it goes to show you Draymond Green plays the wrong sport. Right. <laughs> if, he, if he played hockey, he wouldn't have all these problems. It's, I, I have the same opinion on it as I do with baseball, which is – the stuff with baseball is so stupid. and It's one of the reasons why baseball is not as popular as it used to be. Like just people are so serious about it. But here, like same thing. Like if you're a pitcher who doesn't like like somebody celebrating a home run, like don't give up the home run. Same well, thing. Like, if you don't like somebody celebrating winning, you know, hitting a slap shot of the empty net, then score or don't give up the empty net goal. Like, well, 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 what I would say to that is unwritten rules are unwritten for a reason because these unwritten rules are often very stupid. I mean, these are, this was not in any way rubbing it into his face or in any way malicious. It was just, it, it would be the equivalent of like getting mad at a player for doing a little bit of an over, over the top dunk. I mean, bat flipping is just like getting mad about bat flipping. It just seems so ridiculous. It's the same thing. I mean, isn't like the most the most iconic play in baseball in the last thirty years was a bat flip, right? So right. So that that I I always think that baseball just takes itself way too seriously. By the way, and that's why it's not not that popular in majority of America just because of stupid stuff like that. But. That in this case, like again, like I just don't understand, like why you're that upset. You maybe win the game then if you're going to be that upset over a little like slap shot. I didn't know that you couldn't slap shot. I get. Are you supposed to like walk the puck in or something? I don't know really what you're supposed to do on uh, an empty net. But this is just stupid. Like I, I don't understand it at all. I don't. I didn't know that that was even a thing. And I don't know why you're getting so like that much upset about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a weird sort of thing yeah hockey is a weird sport they allow that they it's weird that they allow fighting the way that they do also i don't understand like yeah the the fighting it's it's also crazy because then nobody fights in the playoffs like they they don't have fights in the playoffs it's crazy yeah they allow guys to take their bare gloves off and hit and guys will hit you with a helmet on just it's insanity but it's also something that attracts a lot of people to hockey um but the thing I never understood a lot of people aren't attracted to hockey, right? But it's I'm not saying a popular sport are. comparatively speaking. Right. But um, it, the thing that I never understood in baseball is like they're annoyed at a guy, like uh, you're annoyed at a guy for doing something. So what I'm gonna do is let you get on base. Yeah, yeah you. because getting hit by a pitch doesn't doesn't actually hurt a guy that much. Like it hurts for a second, but then. I mean, like, these are, I don't know, these are 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. Some of them. Yeah, but they're also wearing a bunch of stuff around themselves. But still, I mean, if you were to get hit in the wrong place by a fastball, that could hurt a lot. Although it doesn't seem to hurt them that much. Um, yeah, I, but I, I, I've just always found that so stupid. Um, and I kind of like guys who um, – I kind of like guys who, like, actually take it outside the box and celebrate, like – I don't know. I don't really know baseball, but there are certain guys that do it. But, um, but yeah, this, this was just like, I felt like just over overkill on the, on the rules of, of hockey or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Well, the unwritten rules of hockey. And the Maple Leafs are the, I mean, and I think a lot of people have, because I think the Maple Leafs are kind of like the, the uh, Dallas Cowboys of Canada. Um. They're they're like one of the most like you know they're they're in that a bunch a lot of people hate are they them. Canada's team, yeah, pretty much. 
and they have a lot of things. And I think they haven't won in like 50 years or something. So I think there's a lot of people that hate the Maple Leafs. Yeah. Um, so it got accentuated because of that. Yeah. Weird stuff. So I, I want to talk a little bit about Dana White walking off Howie Mandel's podcast. Now, if you don't know about this, it sounds like they were fighting and then Dana, Dana White said, that's it. I've had enough. Uh, no. But that's not what happened. Uh, it was an introduction. And Howie Mandel introduced him very nicely and generously, uh, talking about all his credentials and all that stuff. And then Dana White said, thank you for having me on, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And I'm sick of doing podcasts, all these podcasts, and then gets up and walks out. Now, you are saying that you think it's fake. Um, I think there's a good chance that you're right. Um, If this is as in Howie Mandel was in on it and knew that was going to happen. Uh, in which case I don't have a problem with it. Although I do think it, it looked like it was real. It looked like he, that Howie Mandel was not in on it based on his reaction. Um, although I, I don't know that for a fact, although Dana White just making, doing this sounds like something he would do and would actually be kind of a smart move. I think that if, if it's real, he's a total asshole for that. Like, and but also it wouldn't make sense. Why would you tr- go through all the trouble and like travel to the studio, agree to do the interview just to walk off after thirty seconds? It makes no sense. Right. Exactly. Like this is like exactly like why would you like that's the moment you decide like you do all that stuff, travel to the studio, probably sit there for a few minutes while they prep you, get you ready, like makeup or whatever, and then put your headphones on. Then he does the ad read and then he starts it. And that's the moment like you realize, like, I feel like you could have stopped a bunch of times. That's why it looks like a stop. Now his, like, Howie Mandel's reaction was like, made it look real, but also like, it's a guy who's been in show business for, you know, a hundred years. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he could make something look real like that. Uh, but this is like, yeah, this is odd. I mean, I don't know. D- Dana White, I mean, it seems like he's kind of an asshole, but I think that, that, that this, this didn't mean like, to me, this just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I haven't seen any. Do, like, do, you, do you think that, like, because, you know, they're not live streaming. So, like, I, do you think that the, if, it, if it was real, the podcast would actually air it? Like, that also I don't think would have happened. Um, I think they would, actually. I think maybe they – possibly they would uh, because it would go viral. And it wouldn't really hurt the podcast in any way to just release it. I mean, that's what you got. Um, but I think it's fake, though, because because you know it would go viral, right? That's why it could be fake just as easily. You're right. It would be weird. I mean, like I said, if it's fake, that makes the most sense. It makes a lot less sense if it were if it weren't fake. Um, also, even if it weren't fake, I mean, Dana White, it's like, first of all, you can turn down a podcast appearance or say, I can't do it that day. I mean, it's not, nobody's forcing you to do it. And also it's like, oh, you know, big deal. Like you have to do podcasts, like like you're a guest on a podcast. I mean, there are very few things that are easier than being a guest on a podcast. Like I understand it takes up your time, but I mean, it's not a difficult thing to do. You're not like doing difficult labor or anything like that. Like they, right. they ask you questions. I mean, doing this show between the two of us is harder than being a guest on a podcast. I mean, they just ask you questions and you answer, but you, you're not the driver of the show or anything. So it's like, he's like, I'm so sick of doing podcasts. It's like, dude, relax. Stop being such a drama queen. Like, <laughs> like it, it is, that does seem a, 
uh, like like such an odd complaint for somebody who makes so much money and it is and it would only be like helping his brand uh so ob- like obviously it would just be so ridiculous if that was what he actually did and it would be inconsiderate to everybody there um not just Howie Mandel but uh, like the whole team that shows up i mean there's a whole behind the scenes team that is there right and it would be insanely inconsiderate of him to just go all the way there and just after 30 seconds walk off if that were real that's why i kind of think it's fake because it it just this being fake sounds like something he would do yeah he's yeah. a master at marketing and things like and going viral and, and things like that so it, it would makes it would make the most sense if you were to tell me it's real although we haven't heard from anybody claiming like we we haven't heard from anybody saying it's real or fake or whatever yeah, I, we haven't heard that, but I, I just, I, like you said, like the team that was behind him too. Like to me, it just seems, it just seems fake. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't, I don't really believe it right now. And if it gets proven that it, that it's real, then I'll, you know, eat humble pie. But they, I, it just doesn't make sense how it's real. And also, this is like what he does. Like, now I understand, like he does a lot of podcasts, but that's like what he does, you know, in order to promote. Right, this he's making money. Like so, also like it wouldn't, it wouldn't behoove him to to do the podcast. Like it's not like like he's doing the podcast for a reason. He's doing ESPN interviews for a reason. Right, right, and, and just like he, now, it is possible that this whole thing was planned, and Dana White knew he was going to do that, and Howie Mandel didn't know. Right, that's also possible. Yeah, which also would be ridiculously would be a total asshole move. Like the least you could do, like if you're going to do that, the least you could do is just tell Howie Mandel, I'm going to stage this walkout. I mean, yeah, unless you did want that genuine reaction. Right. But, but the point is though, is that like, if you're doing this whole stunt, like how inconsiderate is that of other people? Uh, yeah, I know. I agree. It, it seems like a total asshole. I'm not saying that wouldn't happen, but I mean, like, it just no, seems unless, like an asshole. Right. If that's true, if that's what happened. Right. Unless then, you know, all of Mandel's people were into it and then maybe they did the real interview and it's like, well, in, in two weeks, we'll release the real interview or. Right, right, right. Something like that. That also could have happened. Like, I right. don't think it, it, was, it was I wouldn't have an issue with that, but him going, but like, I, but like, like I said before, part of the reason I feel like it's fake is because it, it just doesn't make any sense that he would feel that way about doing podcasts when that's how he promotes himself and the UFC and everything. Like it, it is weird that he would feel that way. Cause that's basically his job. And it's a, in, like I said, doing podcast interviews is not all that difficult. Right. Like they're just right. asking you questions about yourself and you answer them and you know, all that you're not the, you don't have to do a whole lot of prep for an interview. Exactly. Uh, like it. So it's it just a little, you don't really have to do any prep for an interview. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time you don't have to do any, certainly he doesn't. Um, so and he goes on shows all the time. He he probably tries to go on as many as possible, um, like not even just podcasts. Um, Any, yeah, he tagged Dana on social media after it happened with the clip, making it look like a bit. Yeah, I saw. So Howie Mandel, uh, hold on, Howie Mandel tweeted. Hold on a second. Here, here it is. Uh, here it is. Okay, so Howie Mandel posted on. On YouTube, uh, here it is. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at it on Twitter. Hold on a second. 
Howie Mandel. Okay, here it is. Howie Mandel. Ah, you've got to be. Yeah, yeah, here it is. He said, "Uh uh-oh, Dana White quit my podcast. I think the uh uh-oh kind of tells me it was, he was in on it. Uh, I feel like an uh-oh is like <laughs> kind of fair. Yeah, it's possible. But I mean, also, we like... like or we at least have, knew about it afterwards. But we do tag people on on social media when we post as well. So it's not just because he's tagging him and... Not because he's tagging him, but because he said uh-oh. Yeah. But I think the uh-oh part makes me think he's in on it. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading, going, reading too much into the uh-oh. Yeah, it's possible, but I I do see what you mean by that. Um, so I, I don't know it's a weird sort of thing. Uh, okay, so ESPN Bet is coming to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I haven't used ESPN Bet. Are they in New Jersey? Yes. So it's um yeah it was it was it's Penn Gaming. So it, ESPN Bet was uh, just took over from Barstool Sports. Oh right right yep. right. Um, so any state that had Barstool Sportsbook, New York did not have Barstool Sportsbook um, because of a lot of uh, problems that Barstool were doing. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, so they, the, uh, the deal was $45 million, uh, or $25 million, excuse me, uh, for uh, WinBet, which was already live in New York, for their uh, betting license. Um, so they paid WinBet $25 million to take over the license, which I did use. I've used both those apps. WinBet was not that great. Uh, but um, the uh, I, I did like uh, ESPN Bet. I used ESPN Bet when I was in Arizona. I thought it was a, a pretty good app. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so they, they, uh, they took over, and they're going to come to New York by the end of the year. Um, and obviously, if you're – right now getting into if you're in the gambling business you really need to get that license in new york to be making profit i mean considering the size of the market i mean you know if you talk about like uh if you talk about the market sizes of where it's um bigger than uh of where it's a bigger population new york is obviously way top of the list like by a lot right it, yeah. So this was a, a big move. I mean, you would pay, um, you would pay, uh, you would pay that money to get into the New York market. Now the question is going to be if it's oversaturated um, or not with gambling apps, right? I, I mean, it probably is. Oversaturated. Yeah, I mean, because you have now DraftKings, FanDuel. Um, but is that a bad thing? Then you have more competition. It's not taking up any physical space. It's a bad thing if you're if you're a company. Yeah, it's a bad thing. Well, fuck them. I don't care about them. I care about the. I'm a consumer. No, I'm Why I care about the, the company? Okay, but I'm, but I'm talking about if you're the uh, if you're the um, company. Right. If you're the company, but I mean, the point is, I think that's good though because then the companies have to at least compete with other companies. I'd rather have more than have more options than fewer options. Yes, of course, but I'm well, and it's it's going to be better because you're going to see a lot more places do um, do uh, uh, you know add deals and deals like uh, boosts and things like that. So you're going to see that as well. But uh, that is 
something that you have to look out for if you're bringing in a new app. Right, um, right. Is the oversaturation of the market. Now, I wanted to also add this, that um, since the uh, since the um, uh, ruling that uh, allowed sports gambling in America, uh, the top 10 states that have gambled since then is New Jersey, New York, Nevada, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, Arizona. Uh, but notably, New Jersey has $45 billion, New York has $37.8 billion, Nevada had $37.7 billion. Uh, the reason that's notable is that it only took New York 25 months of mobile sports betting to overtake Nevada, which had started mobile sports betting in 2018. Well, because New York has more people. Right, but that's what I'm saying. That's So the amount that's being bet is why you need to get into the market. Right, right, exactly. You're going to overtake New Jersey soon, and New Jersey had uh, – had had been open for six years. And also a lot of New Jersey's original betting handle is from people from New York who went to New Jersey when it wasn't right, legal right. in New York. If you could, if you lived on the border. Right. Um, but so, yeah, so this is a big, a, a big move for Penn. Um, and, you know, um, I think that it's, it's going to be good for everybody. I mean, you know, Penn, I didn't understand why they did a contract with Barstool Sports in the sale where they didn't really give Barstool Sports a non-compete clause. They only gave them a non-compete clause for, you know, a year. And right. now Barstool Sports is already signed with a competitor. Um, You'd think they would. You would think that they would. Um, so that was something I thought was interesting. Also, did you see the um, thing that happened in Florida with these three betting apps? So what exactly is – so Florida is, like, banning these three betting apps, right? Yeah, they're giving them 30 days to um, to basically get out of Florida. What is their um, rationale? Well, I don't know exactly what the rationale is, but betting is only legal in retail. Only boutique betting is allowed, which means that you can only go to a retail casino. Um, the biggest and mainly the only really one I know of in Florida is the Hard Rock Guitar Hotel in Hollywood, Florida. Um so I think that Hard Rock had something to do with this, but the three apps being uh, Underdog, Prize Picks, and Bet R, uh, all three of them are essentially the exact same thing that DraftKings was before it got into betting. Um, if you remember, like ten so it's years like ago. fantasy, yeah, essentially. So it's they're not even real betting apps. No, they're not. You're not allowed to. They're not betting apps. But they're, so but no betting apps are allowed. Correct, but I guess that the Florida uh, Gaming Commission is saying that they are not games of skill like which was the the word that was a big issue in DraftKings. Right. So you know, if underdog fantasy you can you can it's it, underdog fantasy is like uh that it or or um it's like that that uh fan duel Gron, or Gronkowski kick where you could say oh if he made it then you would get a piece of the five billion or million or whatever it was. It's the same thing like if a certain person goes over you know, if Christian Wood goes over ten rebounds, then you get a piece of whatever you could you could win like a piece of this pie. So like it's sort thing. of it's so it's not fantasy exactly. No, but underdog is more closer to that. But the the um, prize picks is is not as big a fantasy. But they're both essentially the same thing as DraftKings was. Well, well my my point is is that like so. Sports betting is only legal at in Florida at the Hard Rock, 
or a casino, but the the main one is Hard Rock. Yeah, which means that Hard Rock is probably looking for that stranglehold. Right. They that that's the problem. It's it, it seems very corrupt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, if you look at sports gambling, if you look at gambling laws in every state, they usually make no sense at all. I think in California, you're allowed in California. There's a rule where like it has to be card based. So if you play craps, you have to put cards in front of you. You put you put six cards, and then when you roll the dice, the the number that you hit is wherever it corresponds with the card. So let's say you put cards one, two, three, four, five, and six in front of you. If you mm-hmm. and let's say card one is an ace, card two is a is an eight, for instance, and you roll a three, a one, and a two. You you it's uh it, it's an ace. It, it is basically you rolled the number, you, you roll a one and an eight, a nine, basically. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it makes no sense at all. So, like, why does it make a difference if it's card game based? Like, what, what could, like, what could possibly be the rationale for that? Like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of on, it's sort of online with, like, uh, in line with, like, uh, marijuana laws also make no sense. Like it's it's sort of the same thing. Like some stuff, it's illegal somewhere, and then it's, it's legal partially some other places. Like, right, it doesn't really make any sense. I it's think it's only that, legal, or if it, or it's only legal if you have, you know, a certain amount of it. Right, it's if because you have too much. It's illegal. It's because of like the 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 want of like states' rights to have like the states control it instead of it be federally controlled. Well, right, uh, yeah, but I mean, even if it were federally controlled, a lot of those things might still exist. Uh, it, it's this weird sort of like these weird sort of arbitrary rules in mm-hmm. betting in with casinos. It's really, really weird. Um, I mean, obviously betting apps do hurt casinos on some level. Like I don't care about going to Atlantic city to bet on games and well, sports book when I could do that every day anyway. That's why Atlantic city needs to go more towards uh, the Las Vegas model, which is Las Vegas has pivoted its economy off of, so heavy gambling, like they have, uh, you know, shows and restaurants that people want to go to. They have an Atlantic City too, in some level, but not to the not anywhere near the level. And and Atlantic City is still very heavily gambling centric. Yeah, it's you know there is stuff like DJs halfway to summer party at the the pool after dark. Paulie D does pool after dark. Um, like Vinny from Jersey Shore does a lot of appearances down there. So there's they're not like on the level of Vegas, but Atlantic City does need to do more of that. Now, the interesting thing is Atlantic City also is going to really get hurt because they're going to give out three casino licenses in New York City, and they're going to give them to two existing casinos, likely, Empire City and Resorts World. Um, And then the third one, I actually like Steve Cohen's idea in Queens, but I think, if done to my head, I would think it's going to be in Manhattan. Um, But either way, that's going to take even more people away from from Atlantic City. Um, Yeah. So Atlantic City is in a position where they, I think, need to sort of figure out more how to change, um, diversify their economy. And the other problem with Atlantic City is that it has a nice boardwalk and it has some nice hotels, but there's a lot of old and rundown hotels. And then also it's not the greatest. You don't really want to walk too far away from the hotels. It's not no. the greatest. It's a area. pretty dangerous. It's it's a pretty bad city. Right. So Atlantic City is going to have a lot of issues, not just with the mobile apps. It's also, by the way, not just that. It's in the middle of nowhere. Right. 
And now it does have Atlantic City does have an advantage of that you have two of the top four or two of the top five biggest cities in America uh, neighboring it, and certainly two of the biggest metro areas. But like you said, it's it's far out there. It's not. It doesn't have like the walkability of Las Vegas. You have to get into your car to go to other hotels and casinos. Well, um, the places on the, on the boardwalk you can walk to. Yeah, they're on the boardwalk. But you can't but, go from Borgata to Ocean. You can't walk. No, but the, the, yeah, or Borgata or Golden Nugget or whatever. But yeah, Atlantic City, I think, is going to be – Atlantic City now, I will say, has been having a, an economic boom in the last 10 years. It looked like it was really going to go downhill in about 2012. Yeah. And since then, it's way went up. Um, but uh, I, I just think that they're going to have a lot of uh, – they're going to have to do a lot more – to push it away to where like Vegas, you never used to bring family and stuff, a family. Right, now right. people bring families to Vegas. Atlantic city is going to have to do a little bit more of that. Cause like you said, I, you know, back in the day, we, you could only bet stuff in Atlantic city. Now you could in New Jersey, you can't do it in New York yet, but in New Jersey, it's not even just sports. You could play blackjack on your phone. You could play whatever you want on your phone. It's not, you know, in New York, it's kind of limited to the sports betting, but so you don't even have to go there to play the table games. Yeah. Well, I think that the nightlife in Atlantic City could be better. I mean, yeah. really late at night, it's like there's not much to do there other than gamble. That's the only thing there is to do there. Vegas, from my recollection, had much better nightlife than Atlantic City does. Yeah, of course. And so, yeah, I, I but I think that you're going to see, I mean, the amount that New York is making off of gambling is heavy. Yeah. So – they're they're they're, they're going to want to encourage these big companies to go in on it, and I think the winner is going to be whoever gets the big casino license, because then they're going to be able to set up their sports book. Right. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, Ocean has a nice sports book. The problem is, it's so easy. those chairs are so comfortable. I was falling asleep. Yeah, and you were you were accosted by security for falling asleep. During- <laughs> it was just like, well, if you don't want me to fall asleep, don't make the chair so comfortable. <laughs> all right. So, all right. That's it for today. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back next week. Uh, this is Moving the Goalposts.